How's everyone doing today? Good, good. Yes, Kevin's doing good. I love it. Yes. Go Broncos. Don't, don't with that. Don't with that. Man. Oh. <laughs> we have been uh, in a series the last four weeks called um, Relationships, where we just kind of broke down um, relationships with each other the way God intended us to. I hope that was encouraging. I hope it was challenging. Um, we talked about it in our group, uh, in, in my group uh, last week or last Monday, and um, it was just, it was really good just to get good perspective and, and hear guys' thoughts on growing together and, and just the whole series, you know, that kind of thing. And so I hope, I hope it was encouraging to you. I hope it was the spark of, of something that God is going to do profoundly in your life. So, um, but today we are jumping back into our Romans series. We've been in Romans walking verse by verse through the whole book of Romans since February. Um, and just to end, end the, um, anticipation. This series won't end until next summer, so <laughs> just be prepared for that. We'll have, uh, we'll have like other series like sprinkled in here and there, but like I really want to break down the book of Romans because I think it's essential to our, our walk with the Lord. So we're jumping back in today, and um, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. Um, today, the, the title of my message is called Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. But before I dive into the scriptures, I wanted to share with you a story. Um, I've shared before that I'm a, a big football fan, right? Like, I love football, and I get pretty, like, passionate about my teams, as you could see about me putting down Kevin and his choice of team. Um... <laughs> I, it is a very sad year for me because the teams that I cheer for are absolute dumpster fires. <laughs> um, in college, I cheer for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, right? And they just fired their coach. They just fired their defensive coordinator. They're one in three, and they're on pace to have the worst season they've had in 60 years. No joke. Um, it's very sad, very sad for me. Um, and in the NFL, I'm a Raiders fan, and they are loaded with talent, but they can't do anything with it, and they're winless, and their schedule's only going to get tougher. So it is sad to be me in the sports world right now. But anyways, I, I digress, okay? I love football, um, and I played football growing up. In high school, I played football, and when I was a sophomore in high school, I was... I was a pretty talented guy, if I'm being honest, right? Like, I'm being humble as well. I was a pretty talented guy. Um, I was one of two sophomores on the whole team that started varsity. Not just played, I started. Um, and, and I was, like, flying high. I thought, like, man, this is awesome. Like, I'm going to play really good, and I'm going to play for a long time, and I'm going to get recruited and go play in college, all this stuff, like, right? I was flying high. Um, and I was only 15 years old, and... Um, but anyways, like, I, I didn't realize that there were a lot of, like, troubles coming for me in the area of football as a 15-year-old playing that high of a level. What I mean, let me tell you a specific story. There's one specific game my sophomore year. We were playing against a team called Creighton Prep. It's short for Creighton Preparatory School. They were, like, a high school football powerhouse in Nebraska, the only high school that could actually recruit their own players. <laughs> so um, they were like number two or three in the state, and they had like an All-American who on that team who ended up going pro like down the line. And so like they were really good. Well, we're playing, and I'm getting, we're getting crushed, right? Like, I mean, we're just inferior in every way to this team. And I'm frustrated because I'm this super talented guy on this bad team. And like, man, how do I make my mark? You know, how do I make my mark on this game? So I just decided, you know, one time, I'm like, you know what, next play, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna decimate whoever has the ball next, right? I'm just, I just made the decision. I'm gonna destroy this guy, whoever it is, quarterback, running back, whatever. I'm gonna destroy him. So I get down to my stance, the ball snapped. Quarterback hands the ball to the running back. I'm like, okay, this is it. Well, before I could get there, a pile starts to form, right? Like, um, guys from my team are trying to tackle him, and, and players from the other team are trying to push this guy forward to gain yards so there's not a loss. So there's this gigantic, 
like pile of bodies, and I'm, I think to myself, as a 15-year-old, this is my moment. <laughs> this is my moment to make, make a name for myself, to put my stamp on this game. So what did my 15-year-old brain think was a good idea? I ran full speed towards the pile, and I lowered my shoulder, and I lunged, thinking, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock down the pile, and all these people are gonna fall like bowling pins, right? Like, I think this, and I, so I did this, I lunged, I hit the pile, and the pile kept coming, right? <laughs> it didn't stop. I actually hurt my neck really bad, and I was like knocked out of the game, uh, the rest of the game, I couldn't play anymore. Um, I realized something that day that is applicable to now. I desired to do the job, right? I knew what I was supposed to do. I believed I could do it. I just wasn't equipped to do it, right? I, my coach told me, this is what you're supposed to do. I wanted to do it. I believed I could do it. And I tried with all my might to do it, but I was not equipped to do it. To do the job my coach needed me to do, I needed to be bigger, faster, stronger, right? I needed to have a little bit more experience. I needed a, a, to be equipped in a way that I wasn't equipped to be able to do the job that I was tasked to do. I needed more than just me. Like me, by myself, as I was, was not enough. I needed more. I needed help. Have you ever been in a situation like that before? where you want to do whatever, whatever the task is, whatever, whatever the job is in front of you, you have the desire to do it, you have the, the knowledge to do it, you have the belief that you can do it, but just no matter what, you just can't execute it. You just can't do it. Have you ever been in that situation before? Some people might say they feel that way about their job, right? They, they have everything they need to, need to do the job, but they just can't do it for whatever reason. Some people feel this way about marriage or being a parent. They've, they've read the books or they've been mentored or they listen to the podcasts, and so they know exactly how to do the marriage thing. But then they get in the marriage situation, and it's not anything they thought it was going to be, and they're not equipped to do it. I feel that way about parenting. <laughs> I was given really great advice from godly men who are great parents about how to parent my kids, but that did not prepare me for the chaos that I've gotten myself into. <laughs> I was not equipped to be a parent just by reading a book, just by listening to podcasts, just by talking to people. I was not equipped to do that. I needed help. I needed uh, something outside of me to help me. What about in your relationship with God? Have you ever felt like God is asking you to do something that like, man, like you want to do it, you believe you can do it, but just for whatever reason, you just can't do it. You can't pull it off. Have you ever felt like that? I've felt like that before. Like, man, God's asking me to do this thing and I want to so bad. I just don't, I just can't. I just don't know how, you know? I've felt like that before. It seems impossible. Maybe, maybe for you, it's sharing your faith with, with somebody. Man, I want to share my faith. Man, it's a good thing to share my faith. It's a good thing to share my story. And then when you go to do it, you, you don't have the words or you don't, you don't have the courage to, to broach that subject with somebody. Or maybe it's like you want to give more. Man, yes, giving is good. I believe in giving. Oh, we should give. And then when you go to write that check or you go to give your time or you go to invest in something, you're like, oh, I just, I just can't. I can't let it go. I think we've all been in a place where, man, we feel like, man, these things are good. There's, there's good things, and, and we should do these things, but we just can't do it on our own. We need help. What do we do? What do we do when we see the path that God has laid out, when, when we, we see where he's leading us, but we aren't equipped to do what he's calling us to do? What do we do? What do we do when we see what God is calling us to do, but we can't do it on our own? Today I want to look at what the Word of God has to say about this topic because I believe the Word of God has something incredibly powerful and, and profound to teach us today about this. But before we dive into the Scriptures, would you pray with me? Let's pray this morning. God, thanks. Thank you for your Word. And thank you, God, that you have 
given us your word to reveal your character to us and to teach us about who you are and to make us more like you. I pray, God, today that your spirit would have his way in our service and that we would be um, changed by your presence today. We submit to you today, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you haven't yet, um, you can turn uh, your Bible or open it up, open it up, turn it on to Romans chapter 1, or Romans chapter 8, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Um, and while you're turning there, um, something I say almost every week, whenever I preach, I preach from a perspective of there and then, right? I want us to understand the context of Scripture, to understand what the Scripture means. I don't want us to just know what the words say, right? Because there's a difference. There's a difference between knowing what the words say and understanding what it means. I always want us to understand what it means, so I will always try my best to give us the, the context of what we're reading. So um, before I read, um, chapter 8 crowns the first, ha- the first half of the book of Romans. It, it's like the apex of the first half of the book of Romans. It, it kind of ties a bow on the first half, and it, it reveals humanity's sin problem. That's what the first half of Romans is doing, and and chapter 8 is kind of now revealing the solution. Verse 1, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Here's a little pastor humor for you. Maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't. When, the, when you see a therefore in scripture, you should always try to find out what it's Therefore, yeah, not that funny. Um, Therefore, right, there is no condemnation. This is a weighty therefore. There's a lot of weight to this word here. There's a lot of heaviness to this therefore. This therefore sums up the first seven chapters. It sums up the first seven chapters, and it means because of who Jesus is and everything he's done in history for us, right? Everything he's done on behalf of sinners. Therefore, it's a pretty important therefore. Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was, one, was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. God did what the law could not do. God did what the law could not do. This is a a roundabout way of Paul reminding his readers, like, salvation is not found in the law. Salvation is not found in the scriptures. Jesus even addresses this in in the book of John. He says, "You, you search for eternal life in the scriptures, but it's right here. Paul is, is reminding us of this. God did what the law could not do. The law can't save you. The law can't save me. So God sent his son to do that, right? What the collection of words couldn't do because they lack the power, God did on our behalf. God did through his spirit. And we have to remember that keeping, keeping God's law is not the way to have eternal life. Keeping God's law is not the way to please him, right? It's not the, it's not the way to, to be with him one day. It doesn't, it doesn't mean God's law is invalidated. I've said this many times in this series. It doesn't mean that God's law is obsolete. It just means it doesn't lead to eternal life. Verse 4, he did this so that just the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Verse 5 was really sobering for me to read. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. What are your thoughts dominated by? What kind of things do you dwell on? The answer to those questions will tell you 
Who's in control? Your sin nature or the Holy Spirit? And that's between you and God. You don't have to tell me. I'm not asking for an answer. I just want you to examine right now. The things you think about will reveal who's in control in your life. Your sinful nature or the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your minds leads to life and peace. Really quick, um, he, uses, he uses a couple phrases here that puts all the responsibility on you and I. Letting the sinful nature control you, control your mind. Letting the Spirit control you infers that we allow it, right? If sin controls us, it's because we allow it. As Christ followers, if sin controls us, it's because we allow it. If the Holy Spirit dominates our life, that's because we allow it, right? The responsibility is on you. The responsibility is on me. We can't say, oh, I'm just, I'm just a wretched sinner. That's all I do. I just said No. When we said yes to Jesus and put our faith and trust in him, we are freed from that obligation to sin. And now when we sin, it's our choice. It's because we allow it. That again, is sobering. It's hard to hear. Verse 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. So since there's a new nature, Paul's advice is our only real hope. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let the Holy Spirit control what you think. Let, let the Holy Spirit in. Allow him. Everyone now has access to this hope, and that's the only real hope we have, is allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. Verse 9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if, if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So in the first eight chapters of Romans, we learned that humanity is trapped in a downward spiral of sin and wickedness, and there's no way out outside of Jesus, outside of putting our faith and trust in him, and that's the good news of God, right? That the good news of God is that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are saved, and outside of that, we are doomed. That's what the whole first eight chapters is about. We're no longer controlled by sin, but now we yield to God's spirit. And by his law, we're supposed to become more and more like him. The Apostle Paul broaches a subject here that is crucial to, to faith. It's crucial to, to life with Jesus. It's living by the spirit, life in the spirit. He uses language like this. In, in, this, in this chunk of 17 verses, this is, I mean, he, he says all this. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. You no longer fo follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit. Letting the spirit control your mind. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. The spirit gives you life. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. All who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. You receive God's spirit when he adopted you. And this is what I want to talk about today. Life in the spirit. 
living life with the Spirit of God inside of us. What is it supposed to look like? How are we supposed to conduct ourselves? How are we supposed to think? How are we supposed to act? Like what, like what does it look like to live by the Spirit? Because there's a clear difference between living by the Spirit and not. What does it look like as his followers to live by the Spirit? Well, today there are three marks that I want to talk about. There are probably more than three marks of, of living by the Spirit, but I want to identify three. Three today. Three marks of living life by the Spirit of God. The first mark is this. We're submitted to the Spirit. When we live life by the Spirit, when we live life in the Spirit, we are submitted completely to His Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. There's that language again. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Implying submission. When we live life in the Spirit, we are fully submitted to the Spirit of God. We, we relinquish control of our lives. What we want, what we desire becomes secondary, and what the Spirit wants for us becomes our focus. It becomes our goal. It becomes our priority. That's what it means to be submitted to the Spirit. See, we, we only want to gratify our flesh. We want pleasure. The Spirit of God wants what's best for us. And when we live by the Spirit, we submit to that. Uh, before I said yes to Jesus, I had a certain persona. I've talked about this before, right? I wanted to be seen as a tough guy. So I, like, I dressed the part, literally and figuratively. I wore, like, super baggy clothes, and I wore, like, um, I don't know, urban brands of clothes, like, if that makes sense. I, um, I don't know how else to say it, but I wore, I wore certain brands of clothes. I wore big baggy clothes. This was in the era when baggy clothes were, like, the thing, right? Um, I did that. I, I bullied people a lot. I disrespected authority. Like, I listened to, like, I listened to gangster rap music a lot, no joke. So, like, I'm well-versed in 90s and early 2000s gangster rap. Um, but when I said yes to Jesus, I said goodbye to my old way of life. When I said yes to Jesus, I knew that I was submitting to him, and I was submitting to the Spirit. And, and wherever the Spirit led me, I wanted to follow and so when I said yes to Jesus, I immediately stopped like the whole bullying thing because I knew like that's not what God wants for people. That's not what God wants for me. It's not what he wants for the people I interact with. And the spirit was leading me now, so I submitted to him and I stopped. As I continued to grow, I knew the Spirit was leading me to stop listening to the music that I was listening to, the music that idolized drugs and money and sex. And I, I stopped listening to it because the Holy Spirit was leading me somewhere and I was now submitted to him. I stopped disrespecting my authority because I knew like that is not the way of God and now the Holy Spirit was leading my life and I was fully submitted to him. I even changed the way I dress. And you might say, like, Pastor Ryan, what, is, what does your clothes have anything to do with being submitted to the Holy Spirit? The way I dressed defined who I was in my eyes. I used my clothes as a way to, like, identify myself. And, and God wanted my identity to be in him and him alone. And so when the Holy Spirit started putting his finger on that area of my life, I was fully submitted. And even though, like, at the time I liked those clothes, like, I really truly did like those clothes, I was fully submitted. So when the Holy Spirit started kind of leading me away from that identity and, and, and dressing like that, I followed because I'm fully submitted. Now, it, for you, it might, look, it might look differently, right? It might not be the clothes you wear. Or it might not be the music you listen to. It's going to be unique to each of us. But the Spirit of God is in control when you're a Christ follower. He's in control. He gets to call the shots. And when we live life by the Spirit, we submit to Him. When we live by the Spirit, He gets to call the shots in all areas of our life. The dictionary defines submit 
as this, to accept or to yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another. And we, when we say yes to Jesus, we're yielding to him. When we say yes to Jesus, we are accepting him. When we say yes to Jesus, we, we're taking ourselves off the throne of our heart and we're letting him reign there instead. I've, I've used this illustration before, but when we, when we say yes to Jesus, it's like we're handing him the keys to our life and we're saying, we're just a passenger. You, you drive. When we live life by the Spirit, we are submitted to the Spirit in every way. When we live life by the Spirit, our answer to him should always be yes. When we live life by the Spirit, our answer to God anytime he asks anything of us should always be yes. Oh, you want me to share my faith with a complete stranger? Yes. Oh, you want me to like, you want me to give more than I normally do? Yes. Oh, you want me to stop watching that show because it's harmful to my like spirit? You got it. You want me to treat my family differently? Yes. Like there's no area that's off limits when we live by the spirit. No area that's off limits when we live by the spirit and our answer to him should always be yes. So that's the first mark of life in the spirit is submission. As disciples, we are submitted to the Spirit. The next mark of of life in the Spirit that I want to talk about today is this. We are grieved by the things of the flesh. When we live life in the Spirit, we are grieved by the things of the flesh. Psalms chapter 119 verse 136 says, My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. I think... Many, many Christians feel this, this grief, this grief of things of the flesh. They just don't recognize it as grief or they don't know how to articulate it. When we live life by the Spirit, we see things differently. We feel things differently. We think about things differently. And the things of the world should grieve us. Um, At our last church in Nebraska, um, when, when we, we moved there in 2017 and within a couple months, our church was kind of rocked by, um, a thing, uh, uh, one of the staff pastors was dismissed from staff because of some infidelity issues. And, uh, a lot of people were mad. A lot of people were mad at him. And, um, a lot of the pastors were upset with him. Now, like, It didn't change the fact that, like, we still loved him in Christ, right? We loved him, but we were so grieved by what he was doing that it manifests itself in anger, right? Like, when we live life by the Spirit, things of the world should grieve us. Something like that, that infidelity should grieve us. When we see injustice, it should, of any kind, it should grieve us. And if we're not grieved by things of the world, then there's an issue. There's a problem that we, we really need to look at and we need to focus on. Um, I've, heard, I've heard stories where, where people have told me about their Christian parents disowning them because of some kind of sin issue or some kind of um, behavior right, like action that led to some embarrassing consequences or something, and then their parents, like, disown them. You're not my son. You're not my daughter. You know, like that kind of thing. I've heard of that before. Um, While I don't endorse that, right, I don't endorse, I don't condone disowning anybody because Jesus would never do that, right? Jesus, Jesus would never do that to me. He's proud to be my papa, right? He's proud to be my father. He would never disown, and I don't endorse that, I understand where that disowning thing comes from. It comes from a place of grief. Again, I'm not condoning it. I'm not, um, I'm not uh, endorsing it. I understand, though, it, this disowning thing comes from a, a place of grief. I, a, a place of grief. I can't imagine, I can't imagine my kids being in, like, like making bad decisions, making intentional like sin decisions and, and like 
the hurt I would feel. Like that would grieve me. I can't, I can't imagine what, it, what it's like for a parent to watch their kid go through that or watch so, someone watch their family member go through that. I understand where that disowning thing comes from. It comes from a place of grief. Again, not, dis, or not um, endorsing it, not condoning it. When we live by the Spirit, we're grieved by things of the flesh. Really quickly, um, grieving the things of the world, grieving the things of the flesh is not an excuse to treat people badly. Grieving the things of the flesh is not an excuse to treat people badly. I'm going to go I'm going to go a certain place really quickly. I hope you're prepared. In 2015, the Supreme Court passed a law making same-sex marriage legal and American Christians lost their dang minds. And I believe the way I personally believe the way Christians responded in that moment grieved Christ because it was not loving. It was not loving. While we can be grieved by the things of the flesh, it's not right to treat people badly. And here's a principle for you that's found in Scripture. We can't hold non-Christians to Christian standards. That's real. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. If you never read it, read it. You cannot hold somebody who's not a believer to a Christian standard. That is not Christ-like. While things of the flesh should grieve us, we shouldn't treat people badly because of it, right? So that's a little disclaimer, a little bit, little extra. Um, just we can be grieved without treating people badly. So anyways, the first mark of the life in the spirit is that we're submitted to the spirit. The second mark of life in the spirit is that we're grieved by things of the flesh. And the third and final mark of life in the spirit that I want to talk about today is this. We're eager for things of the spirit. When we live life by the Spirit, we should be eager for things of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says, Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the, uh, the special abilities the Spirit gives. The Apostle Paul said this in the portion uh, of Romans that we're reading today, and I want to I restate it. It says, Those who are controlled by the, the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Holy Spirit. When we live life in the Spirit of God, we, are, we should be eager for the things of the Holy Spirit. We should be eager for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We should be eager for the fruits of the Holy Spirit. When we live life in the Spirit of God, we become, we become hungrier and hungrier to, to experience His presence. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10 say this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. These spiritual gifts are the difference between full life and what everybody else has. These like gifts of the Spirit are the difference between us experiencing all the things of God and just meandering through life. Like that's the difference, right? The 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 the, the spiritual gifts are the difference. And we should be eager for the things of the Spirit. We should be pursuing the things of the Spirit as as Christ followers who live life in the Spirit. Another disclaimer, another side note really quickly. Spiritual gifts are not to make us more holy. Spiritual gifts are not to uh, make us these pious people that are better than those who aren't, don't have spiritual gifts. Paul said it very plainly in, in verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Help each other. If you want a spiritual gift to bring glory to yourself, you're doing it wrong. If you want a spiritual gift so that you can feel good about your relationship with Christ, you're doing it wrong. If you want a spiritual gift to help the body of Christ, that's it. 
That's it. That's the purpose. That's the whole point behind spiritual gifts is to help each other. To help each other. I never really gave uh, much credence to this idea of spiritual gifts um, because I didn't understand it. And it always seemed like mystical, you know. And just to be really honest, um, a lot of people make the Holy Spirit weird. <laughs> if I'm if I'm honest, a lot of people make the Holy Spirit weird. Um, and another disclaimer, really quickly, got a lot of disclaimers today. Um, a lot of people do a lot of weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. Just. Just flat out. Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. Um, I experienced, <laughs> I experienced once this guy, this is during a worship service, this guy is worshiping, started swinging his arms like violently, like just creating space. I mean, just violent. And he was doing this, like he was, he was like shaking his head while he was doing it and he was blowing air really hard, like <sighs> Like during a worship service, and I'm, I mean, people are like stepping back, right? There's a ton of space around this guy, and he's just going nuts. And we move on, and he moves on and sits down, and, you know, the message and all that. And um, <laughs> after service, I, I was so curious. So I asked him, I'm like, hey, what was that about, you know? <laughs> what, what were you doing? And and this was his answer. He said, the Holy Spirit made me do it. Like, come on, man. Like, what on earth? You know, the Holy Spirit, he's a perfect gentleman. He's never going to make you do something you don't want to do. The Holy Spirit empowers you to do what you have inside you to do. So the Holy Spirit didn't make him do it. He just wanted to be a fool. And the Holy Spirit gave him the boldness to do it, right? So the Holy Spirit is not weird. People make him weird. I fully believe that. So if you've ever had like a, an awkward or weird encounter in the name of the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. On, the, on behalf of Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. That, that is not his heart. That is not what he wanted for you. And people are fallen, right? I mean, there's no other explanation. So <laughs> anyways, like the spiritual gifts, right? I, I was never really like, I never gave any credence or, or anything like that to spiritual gifts because I just thought it was like, it was not my thing, right? It's not my thing. I, I, didn't, I didn't want that. I didn't, I didn't need that. It seemed mystical. I didn't understand it. And it, it, it was weird. But as I continued to grow in my relationship with the Lord, I wanted more of him. I wanted more of him until I got to a place of like, God, I want everything you have. God, I want everything you have. And if this filled with the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts thing is, is something you have for me, give it to me because I want it. I want everything you have. And I started pursuing spiritual gifts. And in this pursuit, the Lord revealed to me what my spiritual gifting is. He wired me. He gifted me to be a teacher. I am a teacher, and that's how he has gifted me. And, and it was in discovering the spiritual gift that I became even more hungry. It was in discovering the spiritual gift that I discovered my purpose. And now because I was eager for the things of the Spirit, I'm walking in my purpose. I'm walking in my calling. God wants the same thing for you. God wants the same thing for you. When we live life in the Spirit, we should be eager for the things of the Spirit. And, and when we get hungrier and hungrier for more of Him, He reveals Himself. And he, he gives us good gifts that only a father would give. And now that I know like, how God has gifted me, now that I know how God has wired me, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what God does in my life. I'm excited to see what God does in, in my family. I'm excited to see what God does in this church. I'm so excited because that's, that comes with living life in the Spirit. That eagerness comes with living life by the Spirit of God. Worship team, you can come to the platform. Living life in the Spirit is living a transparent life. Living life in the Spirit is, is living a vulnerable life to God. Living life in the Spirit is obedience to God. Living life in the Spirit 
is living the, the very life that Jesus himself lived through the power of the Holy Spirit. That might sound like an out there, like really bold statement, but that's what God has for us. That's what life in the Spirit is. It's living the life that Jesus lived, and God has that for you. He wants that for you. Are you willing to obey him completely? Only, only you can answer that, and that's between you and God. Are you willing to obey him completely? Are you willing to deny yourself and desire the things of the Spirit? That's between you and him. If I'm going to live in the Spirit, I must say no to self. I have to deny myself. There are plenty of, of, of believers. Kim and I were talking about this this morning. There are plenty of believers who aren't followers. Is that, is that how you put it? Yeah, there are plenty of believers who don't follow or who follow halfway. The, part with the, the, the bad part or the, the problem with following halfway is the other half, right? Self. It's all about me. It's about what I want. It's about what I'm comfortable with. When you live life in the Spirit, what we want and desire becomes secondary to what He has for us. And when we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to living life in the Spirit. Am I willing to die to myself? I am. I am willing to die to myself, but I can't do it on my own. Right? Just like my football story at the beginning, like I desire to die to myself. I believe I should die to myself. I just can't do it on my own. I need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If you're going to do it, you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You need to live life by the Spirit. So the marks of living life by the Spirit. When we live by the Spirit, we're submitted to the Spirit. When we live by the, the Spirit, we're grieved by the things of the flesh. And we when we live life by the Spirit, we're eager for the things of the Spirit. That's what it means to live life by the Spirit. That's part of what it means to live life in the Spirit. Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you. God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you called us out of darkness. Thank you, God, that you made a way for us to get to you. Thank you, God, that you make us right in your sight by faith and faith alone. Thank you that you sent your son to redeem us, to buy us back from sin and death. Thank you that you adopted us into your kingdom. Thank you that you broke the power of sin in our life and we're no longer compelled to sin. Thank you for your law, God. It reveals, it reveals your character to us. It reveals what you care about. Thank you, God, that you've called us to be like you. And thank you, Father, that you empower us to be life you, like you by, by living life in the Spirit. You empower us to be like you by giving us your Spirit to live inside of us. I pray today, God, for anybody who might be struggling in this area of living life by the Spirit, living life in the Spirit, God, that you would just hold them that you would draw them near to you, that you would let them know that you, you're proud of them, you love them, you're not mad. But God, let them know that you have so much more for them. And God, for, for, for those who, who are living life in the Spirit and they're doing their best, God, I pray for courage to keep going. I pray for uh, strength to keep pushing, to keep pursuing, to keep chasing. God, we are yours. We're your disciples. Have your way. We are submitted to you. Have your way. In the name of Jesus. And with all heads bowed and all the eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. You, you don't know this whole living life by the Spirit thing. It doesn't make sense to you. Scripture says that the things of the Spirit don't make sense to the worldly. So if you're here today and this doesn't make sense to you, 
You need Jesus in your life to, to, to make it make sense. You need Jesus in your life to reveal the truth to you. If that's you today, you say, Pastor Ryan, I don't know Jesus, but I want to. I want, I want a relationship with him. I want to be able to live life by the Spirit. If that's you today, at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. There's nothing magical about raising your hand. There's nothing, uh, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you or single you out. I just want to know who I'm praying with. So if that's you today, say, Pastor Ryan, I need to pray to have Jesus in my life. I want to submit to him. At the count of three, I want you to, to raise your hand. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if that's you, one, God loves you. Two, it's time for you to come home to him. Three, if that's you right now, raise your hand high so that I can know who I'm praying with. Raise it high. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. you, God. This is what I want to do right now. I want to lead us in a prayer. If you raised your hand or, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you thought, hey man, I, maybe I should have raised my hand or I really wanted to raise my hand. If, if you raised your hand or even if you didn't, but you want to pray this prayer from your heart, I want to invite you to, to repeat after me right now. But I'm going to ask everyone in the house to repeat after me so that nobody feels singled out. Nobody feels like I'm picking on them. So repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, today I submit to you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. I believe you're the son of God. And I believe you are raised to life again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let your spirit guide me. Let your spirit live in me and teach me how to be like you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Can we give it up for those who prayed that prayer this morning? That's awesome. That's so good. So good. Man, if you did pray that prayer for the first time, or maybe you walked away from God and now, now you're back, welcome. Welcome home. The best decision you'll make. And if you did pray that prayer today, whether you raised your hand or not, you prayed that prayer and you meant it, Please see someone at the info table or, or come talk to me. We, we want to get resources in your hand. If you're online and you prayed that prayer, like let, let us know somehow. Uh, call us or message us or something. Let us know so we can get resources in your hand. We don't want you to do this, this faith thing alone. We don't want you to do this journey alone. We need each other. So let us know. This is what I want to do right now. Everyone stand with me if you would, please. Uh, prayer team, you can come up. Um, we're going to respond right now like we, like we normally do, but we're going to be um, a little more pointed in our response. So the worship team is going to lead us, and, and you, can, you can be in your seat and meditate or pray, or you can sing the song, but our, our prayer team's up here, and what we're going to do is specifically, if you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, if you want... To live life by the Spirit, you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you want that, if you want more of God, come get prayer. Come, Kevin or Stacy, they're up here. They want to pray with you. If that's you, let's, let's, not, let's not sit on our hands. Let's respond to what he's doing right now. So as the worship team leads us, as the worship team prays, they're going to be available um, for prayer. I'll even be available if you want to pray with me. I'll be available. Um, but that's what we're praying for today. If you want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, come get prayer this morning. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. It was good that Jesus went away so that he could send the advocate. He could send the counselor. He could send the comforter. 
the paraclete. He could could send the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Really quickly, um, before I pray and dismiss, um, just some next steps. Next steps to something to, to take this message and to tangibly live it out this week. Tangibly do something with it this week. First one, this week I will memorize Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. These are the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our life. This is... This is what God desires for us. That comes through empowerment. It comes through being filled with his spirit. Second next step. This week, I will pray with someone from my church family to receive more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you are like me. Uh, maybe you are like I was as far as the, the, spirits, the, the, the gifts of the spirits go. You were maybe just confused or just... Uh, ignorant to what they were I promise the Holy Spirit is good and he only wants good things pursue those those gifts and and he will reveal to you what he has for you and lastly uh, this week I will join a home group home groups are on ramp to community here at anchor it's it's the way we get it's the way we begin to get connected to each other um, I know I, I'm loving my home group. I know Robin's loving hers. And, and everybody everybody that I've talked to that's a part of one loves it. But not everybody's in. And so, like, I just want to encourage you. Like, if you're not in a home group, get in a home group. It's, it's a great way to stay connected to God and stay connected to the body. So, um, Let me, let me close in prayer and we can be dismissed this morning. God, thank you. Thank you for the gift, gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've empowered us. Thank you that you, you want us to live life by your Spirit. I pray, God, that you would um, teach us how to submit to you. I pray, God, that you would help us identify when we're grieved by things of the flesh. And I, God, I pray that you would put a hunger in us, an eagerness in us for the things of the Spirit. Thank you, God. Finally, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you for being here, everybody. Thanks for for worshiping with us today. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.